0: Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. If you have your Bibles, we'll go into the Word of the Lord. We're... Pick back up maybe where we left off uh, last week, last Wednesday night. Speaking about deepening your walk with God. Deepening your walk with God. So 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. Give me just a little bit more monitor brother. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. And uh, begin reading there. This is the same passage that we read uh, last week, um, but um, there's a lot here, starting with verse 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God, howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world nor of the princes of this world that come to nod. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Verse 10, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. I want to use again the key verse here is verse 10 as our text here tonight. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. And we're talking again about deepening your walk with God. It's good to have our guest here tonight. We're thankful that you're here. We're so uh, happy to have you in this house. Praise the Lord. Let's lift up our hands and let's pray again for the help of the Lord, the anointing of the Lord to be upon us in the remainder of this service. Jesus, we look to you again. We desire your strength. We pray, God, for your anointing. We know we're not much at all without the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And I pray, God, that you would bless, move, minister, and work throughout this service through the Word of God. Let it touch our hearts and let our hearts be prepared to receive it. In Jesus' name, we thank you and praise you for it. Amen and amen. Would you worship the Lord again? Let's give Him praise. Praise God. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I realize what we're talking about tonight is a very vast subject, and I don't claim to have all the answers, nor am I as deep in my relationship with God as I long to be. And that's the wonderful thing about God and the Word of God and the things of God, His kingdom, is it has fathomless depths to it. I have read that in the Pacific Ocean, there is what is called the Mariana Trench, and it is the deepest area of the Pacific Ocean, and I forget exactly how deep it is as far as the exact measurement, but they have detected that there is a certain measurement to its depth. It's, it's of course, uh, way over a mile. It may be more than... More than that, it may be several miles, but uh, to think about it being that deep is, is, is a thing that's hard for us to get our minds around, but there is a bottom to it. In other words, there is a place to measure, and it has a certain depth, and that's as far as you can go. I would tell you in your relationship with God that is not true, but as long as you live and walk with God, you can know more about Him and understand Him in a greater way. And uh, no matter how much of your life that you dedicate to God and serving God and prayer and the study of His Word, there's always something more that God can reveal to us. Uh, I'm not saying there is truth, uh, a place that you can understand more about truth or uh, that kind of thing. You may understand it more. I'm not saying that God adds to the truth Uh, Everything about God is there. It's established, but we can understand more about the things of God and the ways of God and the nature of God and how God deals with us and His relationship with us. And some people are, are just really satisfied with being superficial in their relationship with God. In fact, I would say a large majority of people, are satisfied with knowing God just on the level of being saved. That's that's the end game. If I can just be saved. And truly, that is the gold, I hope, of every person here under the sound of my voice tonight is that we desire to be saved. And uh, we we don't want to be lost. But can I tell you that a fear of being lost should not be the only motivation that you have to live for God. And if you're... Motivation in living for God is just to escape hell, just not to be eternally punished. You know, that might be a motivating factor to get in the church, but it's not something that's going to keep you in the church. At some point or another, you're going to have to learn to love God and learn to live for Him because you love Him and because you have a relationship with Him that has deepened over time. And for a relationship to stay intact, that's how any relationship, and, and I think a marriage relationship is an appropriate example because the Word of God even likens us as the bride of Christ and Him as our heavenly groom. And a lot of what we know about marriage on this earth or what the Lord teaches us through His Word in giving us the institution of marriage is a model of the way that things are to be uh, with Him, and, or it's an example if I could say it that way. And so you understand in your marriage relationship, if you're married and uh, live with one another over a period of years, then you understand that that relationship, it should grow and it should become as the years go by. There's not a place. If so, then it's in danger of dissolving if it ever grows stagnant if it ever gets to the place that there's the disrespect or uh, there's no appreciation for one another. But really, uh, the ultimate relationship is that there would be a growing appreciation. As you get to know this person better and more, not, not that you would not understand their weaknesses as far as the human relationship is concerned, but, but that, that you love and appreciate them as time goes on, as you get to know them. Well, it is true with God as we draw close to him and the more that we get to know him, the more we look into his word and we understand about him, the more we appreciate him. And uh, just like in a relationship, in a marriage, when you go through things together, uh, it has the potential of strengthening that relationship because you can see the love there and the respect there. When a person that has undergone a period of sickness and they have had a faithful spouse to be by their side, they appreciate that person more after they've came through that period of sickness. They realize that they took their vows seriously when they said in sickness and in health and they have done their part and they have faithfully been here and they have uh, nurtured me and nursed me back to health or what have you. And there's a growing appreciation that takes place as you get to know somebody better and as they prove their love to you through crisis and through challenges that come to every one of us in our life. And so it is with God. When we go through things and we learn that He is there for us and He is faithful just like His Word says, that He is faithful to His promises, That the things that he established that he would do in his word, that he in fact will follow through and do them. Amen. It helps us to appreciate him all the more. And so it's easy for a child of God that has lived for God for any period of time. These are not people that you have to prime and push or you shouldn't to worship God because it ought to be a natural thing. When we come to the house of God, we want to sing praises to him. We want to clap our hands to Him. We want to lift up our voice. When we hear the Word of God preached and we, we hear a preacher preaching about healing and we know for, from our own experience that He is a healer, then we say amen. We know that because He has healed us when we hear the preacher talking about deliverance uh, and uh, we know in our own lives what he's delivered us from, then we can get behind that because we know him personally to be a deliverer. When we have known him to provide for us and answer prayers for us and work in our behalf, then it's easy for us to want to praise him in that way. Praise God. I never have understood why new converts out worship and out praise people that have lived for God for a long period of time. Because you can't tell me that in their six weeks of living for God that they have more to praise God for than a person that has lived for God 16 years or 26 years or whatever the case may be. As you look over your life living for the Lord, you've got a whole lot more reasons to come to church and to worship and give praise (laughs) unto God. Hallelujah. That's right. Because you know Him more. Uh, are more about him and have seen him work in your life and manifest himself in so many different ways. Amen. It's easy. It just boils up out of you. It's it's a natural response to want to praise the Lord and give thanks unto God. Amen. And uh, through knowing God, there there's those that again they want to know him just enough to be saved. And then there's those that want to know him just enough to be used by him. And anointed by him. But can I say this. If you ever get to the place. And you grow in your relationship with God. To the place that you want to know him. Because you love him. You will be saved. And you will be used of him. Because as you deepen your walk with God. You're going to become more fruitful. And a greater blessing. To the kingdom of God. Amen. If for no other reason, just by an example of living the life. And I want to talk about that in just a minute, but I was reading uh, through the book of Matthew, and uh, as I was reading in the 13th chapter there, and this is familiar territory when we're talking about uh, the different types of soil that Jesus gave in a parable, and I'll just read down through it, starting with verse 3 and he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forwith they sprang up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, They were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now I want you to notice it talks about uh, this seed that fell on the wayside and the fowls came and before it could ever germinate and take root in the earth, uh, the fowls came and swooped down and uh, stole it away. And this is likened to the enemy that comes in and uh, before things can take root, uh, he he steals it. He, He takes it away. And this is sort of what I was referring to on Sunday night. When God gives you a blessing, when God gives you victory, When God works in your life, you need to shut the door. Don't let him have entry back in there to steal that from you or to take that away from you. But this again is underscoring the importance of depth. And then it talks about the stony ground, how the seed fell on it. And because there was just a little bit of earth, just enough soil for the seed to get down there and spring up and look like it was going to be a healthy plant, but it didn't have the deepness that it needed to get down in there and find a water source or to get down in there and be able to get the nutrients out of the soil that it needed. When the sun came, it scorched it and it withered away. And so both of these illustrations out of these two that we're referring to, uh, both the wayside and the stony soil, soil was the, the issue was the depth. There, there needed to be a deepness, is what the Bible talks about. In order for there to be fruit that would be bore. there had to be a depth. And it talks about the good soil and how that the seed went down. It found extensible soil that it could germinate in and take root in. And then in a period of time, it yielded fruit, some 100-fold, some 60-fold, and some 30-fold. And how imperative it is, if we're going to bear fruit, that we have depth to us. You, you cannot survive at the same level and at the same place where you made entry into this thing. I don't believe that you can just be a superficial Christian, especially in the 21st century. I don't think you can just live uh, skimming the top and just uh, Uh, have the attitude, I'm just going to do enough to get by. If you have that attitude, you're probably not going to stick around too long. And unless you fall in love with this, I think you're going to be shaken loose from this over time. Because my Bible tells me that there were those that were deceived or they believed a lie because they received not a love for the truth. And there's a guard against or a precaution that we can we can have against being deceived in this hour, and that is simply for us to have a love for the things of God. Amen. When we have a love for Him, we have a love for truth because He is truth. That's what Pilate didn't understand. He said, what is truth? And he didn't understand that he was speaking to truth, that truth was not a thing or a concept, but it was a person. And he was standing face to face with Him. For Jesus had said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. So when you fall in love with Him and you get enveloped in a relationship with Him, you can be saved and you will know what the truth is. And more than just that, you can enjoy the journey in living for God. And I think there's joy in the journey. If you've not discovered the joy in the journey, then you've not really discovered what it is to live for God. And to serve the Lord. If all you know is it to be well. I can't do this. And I can't do that. And I got to stay within these perimeters. Then you don't really have a relationship. Again going back to the marriage relationship. I don't. I probably shouldn't use myself as an example. But I don't go to Burger King. God knows I don't go to Burger King. So I'm safe here. I don't go to Burger King with somebody of the opposite sex and sit down with them and have a meal with them. And uh, I don't know that there's book, chapter, and verse that would be against that, but I don't recommend it. I don't think Sister Calhoun would recommend it either. I wouldn't be seen. You know, one time I was driving up, this is illustration, I was driving up Robinson Road here by the post office, and I seen, I guess it was a man, maybe it was boyfriend, girlfriend, man and wife, whatever, they was into it. And uh, she jumped out of the car, and uh, you could tell she was frustrated. And I said, ma'am, would you like, I pulled over there, I said, ma'am, would you like me to call the cops? She said, no, I'd like a ride. I said, I can't give you one. I'm sorry, but I'm just not going to be driving down the road. With, with a lady in my car because I'm a married man and because I love my wife and I wouldn't want anything to come between my relationship I don't do that because I got book chapter and verse that said it'd be be anything wrong necessarily with doing that but it's the principle of it and because I want to please God that I don't do those things And so there's some things that I just don't do because I love the Lord and I'm committed to the Lord. I'm married to Him. I'm a spouse to Him. And that's why I don't do these things. Hallelujah. And there's safeguards that I put there in my life. And that's the reason why I don't do those things is because I want to stay loyal. I don't want anything to come between my relationship and with the one I love. And that's the way it is in my relationship with God. And I trust that's the way you feel about it, Amen. It's not because of, of, of a certain regulation that says, You cannot, thou shalt not. Amen. It's because I have a relationship with Him. I want to draw closer to Him. And I want to be more pleasing to Him. And I don't want anything competing with my relationship with the Lord. Can you say amen? And so... Uh, going back to the idea of, of being around somebody and us being examples ourselves in our relationship with God, one of the ways that we can really be fruitful in our relationship with the Lord in, in as far as helping and ministering to other people, you don't have to be in a pulpit to be a minister and an example. But in your daily walk, Matter of fact, some of the greatest Christians I've ever known were not necessarily pulpiteers, but they were people that knew how to walk with God and they made an impact upon my life. And I was just thinking about that today. Just by being around those people that knew God and had a deep relationship and connection with God, that uh, that that would make uh, an impact upon me just by being around them. Uh, I'll never forget uh, the first time I had opportunity to travel to Pasadena to preach for Brother McLean. And, of course, in the elder years of his life, um, he was not healthy and and uh, battling with dementia and different things. But uh, those times when I was there with him, uh, his uh, home had been flooded while they were away. I think it was uh, the refrigerator, the ice maker. Uh, the water feeding the ice maker had burst and flooded their home and so they had an evangelist area there at the church that they were staying in and I noted every morning at a certain hour he would go over to the church and it wouldn't just be he wouldn't just be there for a little while I'm talking about he would be there for a long period of time and many times going into that prayer room and uh, he'd be uh, he would be in the prayer room prostrate on the floor uh, talking to the Lord, and uh this man had such a deep relationship with God, and not everybody understood him, not everybody could comprehend uh, the level I guess you would say that he was on because he kind of spoke a different language than than a lot of folks because of his deep relationship with the Lord. But I can tell you at pivotal times in my life, he would come along uh, put his hand on my shoulder. And um, those of you that uh, maybe have experienced this, you know he'd pull you up close and grip you in his hand and, and uh, whisper something in your ear. And it would be exactly what you needed to hear from God at that particular time. And it would be amazing to me. I'll never forget in one instance. I was preaching over here uh, at uh, Little Rock. And, and uh, I was just getting ready to go up to speak. And he was actually speaking that day, also. And he walked over to me, and he said, uh, "He said, the thing that the Lord has laid upon your heart, don't question it. Just go ahead and and speak it forth. Just go ahead and and uh, and preach what you feel to preach." And I had been kind of second guessing, you know how you do, uh, kind of second guessing what I was going to do that day. And the Lord, through him, uh, confirmed that that everything was. As He wanted it and that I just needed to have faith and get out there and and do the will of God And and I've I've thanked the Lord for the exposure that I've had with with men of God and people that were uh, Close in their relationship with the Lord and what a valuable thing it is. Let me tell you something We we don't we don't need to let that die There's people right here in this congregation that have that potential Matter of fact, everybody here has the potential of drawing close to the Lord, and deepening your relationship with God. And God wants to reveal, and God wants to speak, and God wants to use you, and God wants to help you. In fact, I I believe that God wants to raise up intercessors in this congregation that know how to pray and know how to get a hold of God, know how to seek the face of the Lord, and. And know how to really get in contact with God. That's a special, special thing, and we all need this, and we all desire it, and we 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 say we want it. But it it comes with like what I said last week: sacrifice and willingness to sacrifice. Amen. It doesn't. It, it there's a price tag involved, and it's not like God is saying, "Well, you know, I'm going to withhold this until." You you do so much or you... you, No, that's not it. But we've got to get our flesh out of the way. And sometimes our flesh doesn't like to yield. And the the biggest opposition that we have to doing the will of God is our own fleshly will. Hello? It's my will. Even Jesus tells us this. With his example in the garden of praying, he, he said, not my will. Finally had it come to the place that he, his will died. Let me tell you, let me tell you the, the way to be blessed and the way to be fruitful in your relationship with God. It's a very simple principle that we find in the book of uh, John chapter number 12 and verse 24. He said, except a grain of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it'll bring forth much fruit. Praise the Lord. One little grain falls to the ground. And if it refuses to do what it's naturally supposed to do, it'll abide alone. It'll be washed out. Nobody will ever know the difference. But if it dies, uh, amen, that one little kernel can turn into many kernels. A whole ear of corn or several ears of corn. And then, and then before you know it, if you keep putting that back and you keep reinvesting that, then you've got a whole corn field and you can feed an entire group or community of people. I'm telling you, there's much fruit that comes from somebody that is willing to die out on an altar and say, God, not my will, but thine be done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And and when we do that, that's when we really come to know the blessings of God. It's not as difficult as it sometimes seems. We make it difficult. We make it tougher than it's supposed to be. As I was uh, thinking about this, I remembered a story that was told me about uh, an individual that was from the northeast up in Massachusetts and, and also in, in Maine he pastored but uh, this man of God um, by the name of Brother Cook his name was Brother George Cook he, he pastored up there and a friend of mine was telling me that uh, while he was in the service he, he had sat under this pastor and it was a relationship established and he said later on in life he said it was just amazing how that he would call at The perfect time, there would be some type of crisis, be some thing that we needed confirmation about, or we needed a word from God. He said this man would call, and uh, in his New England accent, he would he would ask about us, and then he would get down to business, and he would tell us what the Lord has spoke to him about in prayer. And he said it got such a uh, he developed such a reputation of doing this. It got to the point that he said that when a, a thing would arise in our home, he said, my kids would ask, His Brother Cook called? Because they'd want to know. What, is, what has the Lord been saying through Brother Cook? Because they knew he had a reputation of having a deep relationship with God. Amen. We need that in this hour. Can you say praise the Lord? We know that uh, we need folks that know how to hear from God. We need folks that know how to pray and tap into the Spirit of God. And uh, receive a word from the Lord. And it's so important. And we talked about sacrifice and its role in all of this. And deepening our relationship with God. But let me talk another about another aspect of it. And another key. And that is that you've got to understand not only the role of sacrifice and deepening your relationship with God. But you've got to understand the role of sifting. Sifting. And... Uh, if you understand the scripture that talks about the winnowing of the wheat and how that on a threshing floor or those times in those Bible days it would maybe be a an old flat rock a hard place in the earth and they would bring the wheat in in bulk, the whole stalk of wheat but they're not looking for the whole stalk to make bread they're looking to to get it down to what they can use, and that is the the wheat itself, the little kernels of wheat and so that's that's the heavy material of this and so they would on a time when the wind is or the breeze is flowing, they would take these big fork like things, a winnowing instrument tool, and they would lift it hoist it into the air, and the wind would blow away the lighter substance and the wheat, the heavy material would fall down to the rock and they would keep doing this until they had went on it out until it was just the wheat or the substance that they were looking for, the fruit that they were looking for out of this. And that was what remained. And that was what was called sifting, sifting. Well, we can find many illustrations of this in the scripture. Um, we we understand that there's a sifting that that takes place in in anybody that's really truly going to deepen their relationship with God. You've got to get the clutter out, amen. You've got to get the the remnants and the and the 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 things that 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 don't belong. You got to get them out of your life. You gotta you gotta get all of the distractions out. You got to get all of the carnality and and all of the things that would that would keep you from really being what God intends and desires for you to be. You've got to get all the wrong motives sifted through. You've got to get all of the, all of the carnal propensities and desires sifted through. Does that mean that you're going to be translated into something that is not flesh and, and that you're not going to have to contend with the flesh? I'm not suggesting that. But what I am suggesting is, is that God, in order to anoint somebody and use somebody and really bless somebody, has to be able to trust them. Amen. And so there's a sifting that, that takes place and a refinement that takes place. We, we read in the word of the Lord about how that uh, uh, we're, we're like gold that is tried in the fire. It talks about our faith being like that. Tried, the trying of our faith. We see that in the life of Abraham. His faith was tried. The Bible even says this. It says that he was tempted of the Lord in uh, Genesis chapter 22 when he was asked to take uh, Isaac, and I, I'm going I'm to speak just a little bit about that in, in a later part of this. But I'm just saying that there's a sifting and a separating that takes place. That's what sifting is, is a separating from what is good and, and what is not usable. And that that, is, that, that that is valuable and that that is pure and that that is needed and that that is right is separated from those things that are not able to be used. And And those things that are not needed. Amen. There's a lot of things in our life that has to be separated from us. If we're really going to be children of God. And we have to uh, submit ourselves to that sifting process. We don't like it. It sometimes is painful. But it, it shows our level of commitment in God. It shows our level of desire in God. If you don't really desire this, it will come out at some point. Because God only rewards according to those that diligently seek Him, the Scripture says. And and diligent is to be persistent. It's to to keep on. Even when there is uh, things that would try to discourage us from doing so, we just continually, diligently seek after God. And the Bible says that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Hallelujah. And so we just continue to persist in our relationship with the Lord. And we find in John chapter 6, and uh, I'm going to put that up on the screen if they would, John chapter 6 and verse 60, many therefore of his disciples when they had heard this said, this is a hard saying. This was a sifting time. This is after so many of the great miracles, uh, the feeding of the 5,000 and and so on. These, these These folks had experienced a lot of great things and seen a lot of great miracles, but now... It's coming down to fish or cut bait. It's coming down to where the rubber meets the road. It's coming down to whether or not you're really committed. And they said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? In other words, or, this is my word. Does this offend you? He wasn't apologizing, you understand. What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth, and the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. And he said, therefore, said I unto you that there that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. And from that time, many of his disciples went back, backslid, and walked no more with him. Now, did Jesus go running after him? Did Jesus go saying, well, I'm sorry if I, uh, you know, I I didn't mean it like that. I didn't I, let me let me compromise with you on this, and let me let me let me let me let me uh, rethink this deal. No, that's not what the book says. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? These are the ones that he was closest to, the ones that he was nearest to. These are the ones that he had handpicked. He said, Will you go away? And notice what Simon Peter said. Then Simon Peter answered and said, Lord. To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Let's look at uh, 69. Can we look at that? Or did I have 69 down? I must have not put 69. 68 must have been where I stopped. But that's good enough. Then Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. They turned and walked away. He said, well, you know, it looks like it's popular to walk away. Are you going to go too? Because I'm just telling you, this that I'm preaching and teaching is the way. There is no other way. And I can't help it if you don't want to walk this way. But this is the way to the Lord. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the son of the living God. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter number 12 talking about the sifting. This was a time of sifting. The closer you'll notice that Jesus gets to Calvary, the the smaller the crowd gets because the commitment level grows higher and higher and higher. In fact, the scripture says really it got down to Jesus uh, on the cross along with John and his mother And and that was all that was there that followed him all the way to the cross. So few. They want to be there for the miracles. They want to be there for the feeding of the 5,000, the raising of the dead, the unstopping of the death here. But there's not many that want to be there when it comes time to go to the cross. But except a kernel of wheat fall to the ground, or grain of wheat, grain of corn fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die giveth forth much fruit. Let's look at uh, Hebrews 12 whose voice then shook the earth shaking but now he hath promised saying yet once more I shake not the earth only but also heaven. And this word yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaking. This is talking about a sifting that is taking place as of things that are made that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Amen. You better get a tight grip. You better as we read the scripture on Sunday night lay hold of eternal life. Get a grip on eternal life. Get a determination in your heart that I want to live for God. I want and desire to serve the Lord. Probably one of the uh, illustrations in the Old Testament of sifting that stands out in our minds and we've heard in our Sunday school lessons. And that is uh, when Gideon was told of the Lord to stand up against the Midianites and how that he he came out and, and asked who would like to join his army. And 32,000 joined his army. And he was feeling probably a little bit more confident than how he started. And, you know, 32,000, I know, you know, with the right battles, plans, and strategy, maybe we can pull this off. I know we're up against an army that is numbered with the sands of the sea, but perhaps we can pull it off. 32,000 is nothing to sneeze at. And God said, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a sifting process because there's a lot of these guys I can't use. And so when when it gets down to it, the reason for the sifting is, is that God would get the glory and man wouldn't get the glory. And that you would understand that it's Him that is worthy of the praise and it's not because of anything you did necessarily besides just yielding to my will. Hallelujah. And that's still where it's at. When we, you know what it is to really walk with God and have a deep relationship with God is to simply do the will of God every day. By doing the will of God every day, we're the ones that affix uh, uh, numbers to success. We, we think, well, they got this much money, they, they're successful. We're the ones that we, well, they got this big a church, they must be successful. You know what? That person that wakes up every day and does the will of God, they are successful in the eyes of God. <laughs> Hallelujah! Hallelujah! And God bless us. And when you understand that, you don't feel bad when God fills somebody with the Holy Ghost or pours the Spirit out or blesses somebody or uses somebody or anoints somebody else. You can rejoice with them and you can, you can you partake in their blessing because you know... That they've done the will of God. And if I continue to do the will of God. God's no respect to persons. He'll bless me. He'll anoint me. And he'll give me revival. I don't have to feel bad at nobody else. I don't have to compare myself to nobody else. My job is to do the will of God today. That God wants me to do today. Can you say praise the Lord? And and so that's that's our duty. That That is what we're called to do. Is to do the will of God today. Everybody say today. And, and that's, that's all we're asked to do. Nothing more, nothing less. And so we, we just continue doing that. We continue walking in that. We continue to be faithful to that. We continue to understand the will of God in that. And so he tells them, as the Lord instructs him, everybody that's fearful and afraid, go home. He couldn't believe it. He didn't realize how many fearful and afraid he had. How many guys was just looking for the first door of exit. The dust was churned up behind them as they were running back to mama's house. Fearful and afraid, that's my out. I'm gone. I'm out of here. So he's left to regroup with this 10,000. He said, well, maybe, 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 maybe we can... You know, ambush them, do something, kind of pull this thing off. And God said, no, I'm not done yet sifting. He said, take them down to the water and give them the water test. And you know the story. He said, every one of them that just sticks their head down in the water and drinks unconscious of anything around them and their surroundings, that you can't use them. He said, but every one of them that takes it cups it in their hands and laps it like a dog. Amen. And he said, that's the one. There was only 300 when it was all said and done that was willing to do so. But God took 300 that was sifted down to trusting him. And I don't know, you, you may have your ideas about it, but I, I just simply don't think that these were the the ones that you would look at and say, yeah, man, those guys right there, that that's who I'd want. I think they were knobby-kneed. I think they, they were dried up. I think they, they probably wouldn't all put together. I, I think they probably wouldn't have been able to pass a physical in, in anybody's army. But they were people that put their trust in God and said, we're willing to do the will of God today. Amen. And God said at the end of the sifting, I'm going to give you revival. And he didn't he didn't stop there. He said, you know, you got some more instruction to follow. He said, I want you to do some odd things here. I want you to put a lamp underneath up, up in a picture there. And he said, at a certain time, I want you to shout out uh, uh, these words. And he said, I want you to break that picture. And he said, you're going to be on the hillside there surrounding these this camp of the Midianites down there in the valley. He said, they're going to wake up. And he said, they're going to be so disconfitted. They're going to do your work for you. Amen. You know, when God when God gets ready to do it, He really doesn't need us to do it. He just needs us to yield to Him and hear Him and listen to Him and walk with Him and do His will every day. <laughs> Praise the Lord. If we commit to doing the will of God, God will take care of of, of the the challenges, God will take care of the parts that that we don't understand. We scratch our heads, and say, "How's this all going to work out?" Amen. Well, you haven't plugged God into the equation. When you get Him in the equation and get you out of it, Amen. That's when He can really move. That's when He can really work in your life. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet right now? Lift your hands with me, and let's let's just give praise unto the Lord. Let's give worship unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. God wants to remove some impurities and sift through some things of our lives and get down to really what matters and what he can really work with. Amen. Get my old will out of the way. Get my my old carnal thinking out of the way and my attitude that sometimes is sour and not good. Get it out of the way so that he can use me. Praise the Lord. You know a warrior understands. There's some things that I cannot successfully go out and fight a battle without. I gotta have the right weapon. I gotta have ammunition. I gotta have enough of it, but I can't have too much of it. But you know you can overpack for some journeys. You know, when they started imposing this thing at the airports or the airlines started imposing this thing about you know, charging you for luggage. Thankfully now I got one of those deals where they they let me buy with it. But anyway. Before I got to that level, they, they charge you for every article. Well, that's not good when you've got two ladies traveling with you. Man, I can go to Ethiopia. No, truth is, they do better than me sometimes. I'm over there in their suitcase putting the shoes in their suitcase. But anyhow, uh, you know, they charge you more for every article. So you have to get down to what you need, you know, not what you think you might need. And uh, I've been to stay 10 days in the Philippines and got it all in the deal, about like that. I watched Brother David Smith. He and his wife went to Ethiopia, Kenya. I think they was gone almost 30 days. There's a little old deal like that right there. And I watched him pack that thing one time in the room. And I was looking at that and how meticulous he was. And I said, oh, my Lord. I said, what this man couldn't do with a Rubik's Cube if he got a hold of one. He just had it all figured out and everything in his special place. But, you know, you decide on a journey what it's going to take. A warrior knows. I can't, you know, I can't take everything with me in my backpack. It'll weight me down. A mountain climber understands there are certain things that I'm going to need to get to the summit, but I can't I can't take everything that I think I might need. I'm going to have to get it honed down. I'm going to have to plan well. I'm going to have to sift through this. I'm going to have to make a list and be meticulous about it. And I'm going to have to check the weight. I've, I've read after some of them how they check the weight of everything. They, I mean, even the backpack, even the ropes, even the equipment all of it it it's, it gets down to ounces and how important it is that they they have just the right amount of weight and they know and they have you know down to a science figured it out what they can survive with and what they cannot they cannot make it with and what you know when wagons were going west out following the gold out on the west coast and up in the northwest and and all of that was going on there was Wagon masters, they had made this trip before and they knew by experience this is what you need and nothing more. Don't try to sneak nothing more on because you will not make it if you put more than this in your wagon. If you take, you try to take heirlooms and belongings like that and you try to put that in the place of the necessary food that you're going to need for this journey, you will never survive you have to be sifted down. I'm going to tell you, God knows what it's going to take for every person in this room to make it. And we've got to submit ourselves to the sifting process in order to make it. And so when you feel that, don't chafe against it. Don't resist it. Because there may be some relationships that are not good for you. There may be some bonds that you have or Well, I've known them ever since I was 10 years old or 5 years old. and You know what? I'm not saying that you completely uh, disband any kind of knowledge that you ever knew them, but I'm saying if that's the person that speaks most into your life, maybe that's not a good thing. Maybe you should be sifted a little bit because if you keep coming back, to this depressive mode all the time, and you keep coming back to these same hang-ups all the time, and these are the things that they're hung up on, then put two and two together, my friend. There's a reason for that. If you keep just kind of going around in circles and coming back to the same old problem, the same old things, maybe, you know, the definition of insanity is supposedly that you keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result. And some people that I have dealt with in time of pastoring this church, I have seen that complete cycle over and over again. Well, why is this happening to me? Well, I can tell you why. It's because you hadn't changed. You have not changed your modus operandi. Amen. And you've got to change. You can't have victory and stuck in the same place with the same attitude, hanging around the same people. you got to be willing to sift through that. And let, let, let the Lord sift that out of you. Can you say praise the Lord? Amen. I wonder tonight, I I did this purposely. I closed down a little bit earlier than normal. But I'd like for us to gather around this front. I I wonder if there's those here that really desire a deeper relationship with God. And you're willing, God, I'm willing to submit myself to the sifting process if necessary. But God, I want to draw closer to you. I want to draw nearer to You. I want to be more like You. I want to serve You in a greater way. I need Your blessings. I want to deepen my life so that I can be fruitful and I can be blessed and I can be more for You, O God. Let's gather around this altar just for a few minutes here before we leave and just yield ourselves to God. Just like we did when we came the first time to Him. Let's come with that same spirit, that same attitude that same longing, that same hunger that says, God, I need You. I need You. I need Your help. I praise Your beautiful name, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank You, Jesus. I love You, God of heaven. I worship You, O Lord of glory. I thank You so very much, Jesus, for Your goodness, Your mercy, Your love. Oh, God, for being patient with me. God, help me to submit to you, God, and to the sifting in my life, to the making the alterations that I need to make, God, and to be used of you, Lord. I want to draw closer. Help me to dig down deeper. Hallelujah. Help me to lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset me. And help me to run, God. Help me to run with patience the race that is set before me. Help me, God, not to become impatient uh, with uh, the, the progress, but just keep on putting one foot in front of the other and achieving, God, every day the will of the Lord and doing the will of the Lord every day of my life. That's what you ask me to do. That's what you desire me to do, is just to do your will every day, God. Every day, God, do your will. Live a pleasing life. Find what it is to to live for you pleasingly every day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful? Oh, yes, God, I give you praise right now. I give you thanks right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen deepening our relationship with the Lord. There's a purpose for this. It's because for the tree to grow up, to be what it needs to be and to bear the fruit it needs to, it's got to have depth. I've said this before, but many of you know it, that they tell me that what you see on the surface as far as how far the branches go out of the tree and that kind of thing, and the expanse of the tree on the surface, that the root system, that mirrors the root system that's underneath the ground. That's amazing to me. And it kind of explains why, when an ice storm or wind storm or, you know, big storm comes of some sort, why some topple over. It's because apparently there's no real root system there. But I want to get a root system, I want to get tapped down into things in God not just to survive, but to be fruitful in the kingdom. Can you say praise the Lord of that? God bless you so much for being attentive tonight and receiving the word of God. God bless our guests for being...